1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts, tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
0: The research was exposed during an instant response in 2021. It was super interesting for us because as we did a a number of different um, IR engagements across manufacturing, healthcare organizations, and, and a couple of other verticals, we noticed similarities in the patterns of behavior.
1: That's Israel Barak. He's Chief Information Security Officer at Cyber Reason. The research we're discussing today is titled Operation Cuckoo Bees. Cyber Reason Uncovers Massive Chinese Intellectual Property Theft Operation. so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose visit Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Well, let's walk through it together. Can, can we go through, you know, step-by-step step of, Exactly who these folks are and the methods that they use to uh, to do the things they do.
0: So a- absolutely, the um, the data that we have basically shows that this uh, this campaign um, that we dubbed cuckoo bees um, and we're uh, we're attributing to a Chinese state-sponsored actor that is uh, that is called the uh, Win uh, Winty or APT41 started at least uh, on 2019 and specifically targeted manufacturers in the United States, in Europe, and in Asia, and specifically in the defense and aerospace, energy, biotech, and pharma sectors, where the operational goal of the campaign was basically stealing sensitive uh, documents, Blueprints, formulas, manufacturing-related proprietary data. Um, some examples that we've uh, we've seen during the incident response and the investigations include design and manufacturing information related to specific engine parts and, and airplane parts. So that was uh, that was the overarching goal of the operation.
1: Well, can we walk through some of the techniques that they're using to get into systems? The first thing that we uh,
0: we identified as we sort of untangled. The, uh, the process here is that the um, initial access that was done, um, was done into these target networks was typically through the exploitation of vulnerabilities in a popular uh, ERP. Solution. Um, some of these vulnerabilities at the time were known vulnerabilities that were just unpatched by the users of the uh, of the ERP solution. Some of them were unknown um, or 0 date vulnerabilities at the time when they were able to compromise that ERP system, they were able to gain that initial access into the ERP system. The next stage was usually to establish some sort of persistence or mechanism that would allow them to uh, kind of keep coming back in and out. The most common technique that we observed was the use of a, um, a JSP web shell that they uh, basically embedded in the ERP web application server. So they created the facade of them communicating from an external network with a legitimate web application, the ERP. But basically, they were able to send commands to those systems uh, that that system then executed for them in the, in the targets environment. That was the, the way to get back, uh, to get in and out. That was uh, the interesting thing for us. I think it's, you know, we often think about the different ways attackers like Winti, or APT41 are able to find that um, initial access. And sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's targeting individuals, sometimes it's targeting the supply chain. And here I think we see another common example of how an adversary like that, that is a state-sponsored adversary, is developing um, proprietary zero-day software vulnerabilities that enable them to gain that initial access into organizations where that software is being used.
1: Can you give us a, a little bit of the background on Winty themselves? I mean, is, does this align with what we're used to seeing from them? And what sort of tools do they have in their arsenal?
0: It, it, it does align with the overarching method of operation that we're used to seeing from Winty. Winty is, as uh, a group, existed uh, or at least have documented uh, record. Uh, since at least 20, uh, 2010. Hmm. and they believe to be operating on behalf of of Chinese uh, state interests, and they specialize specifically in cyber espionage and uh, in uh, intellectual property property theft. That's sort of hmm. they're they're known in the industry as sort of the the princes of of technology secret thefts. The techniques that they used in this operation, some of them were known techniques. Uh, the use of supply chain attacks, uh, software vulnerabilities, web shells, etc. cetera, uh, for this group. Some of the more uh, lesser known techniques. So, for example, uh, one of the things that they used um, to um, stay sort of fly under the radar inside the target's network and to stay or evade detection for a long period of time, this operation continued in some of those target networks for almost three years. And so one of the techniques that they use to sort of fly under the radar and evade detection, which we haven't seen from them before, is a rare abuse of the Windows um, CLFS, which is a common log file system feature. Basically, it's a a feature in Windows that is uh, primarily designed to... Uh, hold um, system logging and application logging information and they use that mechanism to store the payload of the attack right the the piece different pieces of malware that they were they were using um, in a way that uh, most most security technologies or in an area where most security technologies actually don't don't really scan or don't really look into
1: Oh, interesting so this is a I don't know an area where the system keeps some logs, and and so by putting their own stuff there uh, to the scanners, it was nothing to see here. Exactly,
0: exactly. And that was so that was a that wasn't. that's a fairly rare technique to see. It's certainly something that we haven't seen from this particular Group in the past. Uh, but there was enough. Uh, I think there were there was enough um, similarity between some of the techniques that they used and operations that they ran in the past for us to be able to attribute. That operation to uh, to that group with a fairly fairly high level of confidence.
1: You mentioned that that this group uh, was able to stay within networks for multiple years in some cases. What ultimately led to their discovery in this case? And so, in uh, in
0: some of these uh, some of these engagements that we got called into, some of these instant responses, one of the things that um, ultimately triggered the suspicion of the organization was the amount of data that was being exfiltrated from the, from the, from the system. Mm-hmm. And so, um, over, over the years, these, uh, this adversary was able to collect from some of these organizations hundreds of gigabytes, and sometimes more, of intellectual property, design documents, manufacturing procedures, blueprints, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, in, in some cases, it raised the suspicion that something is happening that the organization or the defender was just not aware of we got called into these these engagements and were able to sort of unravel that 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 whole chain of events that led to it
1: what are your recommendations then I mean for organizations to best protect themselves from um, an ATP group like Winti, what sort of things should they have in place so it's a, it's a great question
0: because on the one hand the first thing that we we recommend, you know, is always, is always, we always all, all need to get better, right? In doing the basics, right? In mm-hmm. making sure that we we know our networks and we understand what assets we have, what the status of security or hygiene is in our networks. And we do what we, you know, the best we can to maintain good security posture and good security hygiene. And it's always, I think, the best practice regardless of what type of threat or risk you're trying to mitigate. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with a threat actor like this, which is uh, a far more sophisticated adversary than what you would typically find in the ecosystem, they always have a way to find initial access into an organization, right? Whether it is compromising an individual that has access to uh, to the network, whether it's compromising the supply chain, this is a type of, a type of adversary that spends weeks, months, sometimes years trying to get initial access to to their targets, eventually they, they make it in despite our best efforts in, in security posture and security hygiene one of those one of those things that we need to really get better in is proactively hunting for these threats right This is this sort of a low and slow operation. And so we, we need to adopt this proactive um, this proactive threat hunting, Approach, right? We need to be able to look across the data, right? Across the data in our enterprises, right? Endpoint data, network data, identity and access, and other types of security data, and proactively look for patterns of behaviors, right? Chains of behaviors that may, you know, in and of themselves look legitimate. But when you look at the chain of events over time, they expose a chain of events that is indicative of a malicious activity. And that's something that oftentimes evade real-time detection or prevention mechanisms. But when you adopt a threat hunting mindset and you analyze data and patterns over time, specifically looking at those chains of behaviors, you're able to expose those low and slow operations relatively early in the attack lifecycle and avoid the majority of the impact of them.
1: Is that something that is available to those small and medium-sized businesses out there who, you know, who are dealing with limited budgets? Are, are there ways that they can use those kinds of approaches? There is. I,
0: I think today there are a number of, uh, a number of uh, segments in the market that offer these type of capabilities when you look at uh, detection and response technologies. In the EDR space, or the endpoint detection and response space, or in the XDR space, the extended detection and response, I think you're seeing a growing number of technologies and solutions that are focused on automating the vast majority of this proactive threat hunting process and augmenting it with people that are experts in analyzing that data and understanding what it means from a threat perspective. I think the other resource that is becoming very, very accessible. For enterprises of all sizes is um, an analysis done by uh, the MITRE uh, organization. Mm. So on an annual basis, basically the MITRE organization, which is a non-for-profit organization, primarily a DOD contractor, they basically run an annual exercise that is emulating very sophisticated adversaries and is evaluating different approaches and technologies in the market and their ability to detect those minute changes in behaviors and change of behaviors and expose that type of that type of uh, that type of malicious operation in progress. And so, all that information is publicly available on the MITRE website, uh, that essentially describes what their observations are and what technologies and capabilities can enable enterprises, really of all sizes, to um, to adopt this type of this type of approach.
1: I mean it really is a, an interesting situation we find ourselves isn't it I mean a, a group like winty they're not going anywhere they're they're well funded uh, you know globally insulated uh it's something that we're going to have to deal with uh for uh, the foreseeable future I agree um you know
0: w- one of the things that I think is interesting in this um in this, uh, in this incident that we, we reported on is, and we briefed the, the FBI and the DOJ on the investigation. And, and if you recall, the FBI in their uh, China 2025 report from 2019, they called out uh, the Chinese aggressive uh, state-sponsored intellectual prof- uh, property infrin- infringement strategy. Mm. And um, I think one aspect of the Cuckoo Bees incident is that it shows that despite... Um, that diplomatic and, and, and other efforts, right, to curb that behavior, exactly as you say, right. At least as it pertains to our domestic economy, you know, that aggressive intellectual property theft and infringement strategy may have not really changed much. Um, the other thing I think is, is interesting to note about these type of these type of adversaries is that um, the w- we need to reframe what a win strategy is. Right, as defenders against these against these adversaries, um, because and I think you 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 hit the nail on the head. This type of adversary will not stop trying to get into a particular target's network just because that target has good security in place. Right, the reason is that they have no motive right to stop doing it the target has something that they want uh, there's really no prior no no price or no risk for them to pay for trying again and again and again right so there's no reason why they wouldn't continue to try until they make it and the interesting thing in when you when you try to counter the operation as a, from a defender's point of view when you try to counter that type of that type of adversary is that the win strategy is not to make sure that they they're you know they never they never come back but the win strategy is to make sure that you incre- increase the time intervals in which they come back so instead of when, after you push them out the first time usually what you'll see is that they come back after a couple of weeks and try again and you push them out a second time they'll usually try to come back after after a couple of weeks but if you operate the right program and the right strategy, what you'll see is that you can dramatically increase those time intervals. And then instead of coming back you know, every couple of weeks, they'll come back every couple of months or every year. Mm. The reason is when you get very, very good at exposing what they're doing in your network, you create a price for them to pay. Because when you expose their method of operation, by the way, that's part of the rationale behind us making this, this information public. When you expose the method of operation, you dramatically increase their price because now they need to rebuild things in order to start executing again. And that is expensive, right? It's something that they do. Every threat actor does it. But there's an expensive price to pay for targeting a target that is a sophisticated target that can expose that operation that impacts other operations that they have in flight. And so when you run an effective operation for detection response investigation, you're able to create a certain form of deterrence against a threat actor like that, that will manifest itself in the increase in the time intervals in which they will come back. They'll make sure to build, be very meticulous in what they build before they come back and try to target the network.
1: Our thanks to Israel Barak from Cyber Reason for joining us. The research is titled Operation Cuckoo Bees, Cyber Reason Uncovers Massive Chinese Intellectual Property Theft Operation. We'll have a link in the show notes. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk.